Welcome to this special episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. In this special episode, I was joined by Jude Haddad, AIH, Katrina Lennox, MIH and Neil Radia, FIH, as we took a look ahead to what 2023 might have in store for our wonderful industry. A small apology for the sound quality in places as this was recorded virtually. So, what can we all look forward to in 2023? Let's get stuck in and find out. Hello and welcome to this special episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, FIH. I think there's no doubt that 2022 brought its own unique set of challenges. And if you believe everything you read in the press and across social, 2023 will be potentially no different. But is it all speculation? Well, to find out, I thought it would be interesting to invite three more of the IOH's finest to give their thoughts on what we might expect for the year ahead. So first up from within the fellowship, we have Neil Radia, currently a freelance consultant working within the food service sector. Neil, welcome to the show. Hello, Phil. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very good indeed. I, I gave a, a kind of snapshot around what you do, but freelance consultant can cover a multitude of things. Just tell the world a little bit about what it is that you that you do and what, what you specialise in. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a freelance consultant, as you just said, and I basically help businesses within hospitality and the public sector food service to develop their sales and marketing strategies. And I, I basically support them in pinpointing market opportunities and growth areas. That's pretty, Fantastic. that's the, the whole point of what I do, Phil. Very good. And uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, it's fairly new, actually. Um, so I've been working within food service, um, predominantly within public sector and hospitality arena for over 20 years now with numerous businesses. But from a freelance point of view, it's uh, just under a year. Well, well, about nine months now. <laughs> Very good. Well, congratulations for taking the leap. It's uh, It can be a daunting thing to do, for sure. But uh, I suppose you, when you've got 20 years of experience behind you, it's probably a little bit easier. Yeah, it, 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 all the experience helps. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you're you're very very welcome. And uh, and then next into the MIH ranks, we have Katrina Lennox, who is head of Northern Ireland for the Springboard Charity. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm great. I'm great. I'm very excited now to be involved in this. So it's um yeah, great thing to be involved with. Thank you. Ah, you're very welcome. I think you uh, you also have one of the best job titles I think I might have ever heard in my life. <laughs> I have a, a a good job title. I also have an amazing job, um, which I've only been in actually for about well, just coming up to two years. Although I do have thirty six, maybe thirty seven years experience in the hospitality nation tourism industry. But that this role, Phil, to be honest, gives me an opportunity to give something back to the industry after having been involved in it for so long um, yeah. and working with, um, with lots of great people. Yeah, well, I mean, Springboard, um, I've done a bit of work with them over the, the years as well. I, you know, what they stand for and what they're doing, I think, right now is absolutely needed. Absolutely amazing. I suppose, from my perspective, I have um, kind of like two arms. One's the employability arm, where we take people. Um, we are trying to train them into the industry, and the other arm is the educational arm. Will be why can we promote the industry to young people and trying to encourage them to enter the industry as a real career choice? And um, we actually just did um, on Friday past we had our Northern Ireland Future Chef finals, 
where we had originally 1,484 young people entered into the competition, and we whittled that down to 46, and then we had eight at the finals on Friday. So there's definitely an interest in the, in the industry out there, especially amongst the young people who are obviously our, our future pipeline. That's great to hear. Really great to hear because I, you know, I, what I said at the head of the the show there around, you know, if you believe everything you read, then uh, we're all doomed. Basically, I think is the the bottom line. But it's you know, and staffing is obviously one area of the industry where I think it's safe to say we've we've struggled with over the last couple of years. So to hear that there is, you know, there's definitely interest out there. The the noise that we're creating, the positive noise that we're creating out there, hopefully, is being heard. Absolutely, absolutely. And from, from, the, from the results that you have on Friday, there's definitely a lot of excitement and a lot of noisy young people really excited about the industry fund. That's great. Really, really great. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us as well, Katrina. And uh, and then finally, from within our associate members, we have Jude Haddad, who is a, a management in training at the world famous The Ritz London. Welcome, Jude. Thank you, Phil. Really happy to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And thank you for filling in as well, because you weren't our original guest, but you very kindly stepped up to the plate. And so I'm very, very appreciative of you of you doing so. How are things with you? Um, really good. So I've been at the Ritz for a year now. It's been um, quite intense. There's a lot to do. It's always constantly busy. And considering the fact that the Ritz is always giving like the most excellent guest experience. So it's there's a lot of attention to detail and everything. And it's just been an overall great experience. Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to actually have dinner at the Ritz last November with a, a group of friends. And we had the most delightful experience. Um, it's been a long time since I dined in a, a sort of classic dining environment as well. But my God, they, um, it was exceptional. Yeah, they're definitely really traditional. So even in terms of the room, <clears throat> the rooms in the afternoon tea and everything, it's overall really, really traditional. But let us know next time you come. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and by the way, a huge congratulations to you for your, you got uh, first place, didn't you, last year, the AICR receptionist of the year? Yes, I did. So I'll be representing the UK in the world competition next month as well. So not over yet <laughs> fantastic what what an exciting time then that's that, that's great we'll be very very keen to hear how you get on <laughs> thank you excellent well you're all very welcome and thank you all for for giving up your your time to talk to us about this uh, wonderful subject which we'll get on to in a second but i'm going to come back to you again neil i just want to learn why it is that you said i'm in to the institute of hospitality right so i do you know what i've been a, a member with the institute for probably well over 15 years now, Phil. And I know when I originally said I'm in, it was more about, you know, meeting like-minded people and also an opportunity to learn. I think that, you know, from every area of business that we're all from, there's just so much we can learn from each other. And that was probably the two drivers for me. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's one of the things, right? You, any membership organization has to, there's a, like, there's so many things that you can get involved with. You've got to pick and choose your 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 battles. 15 years you've now been within the, the membership. Eh? I bet you've not seen any change in that time. <laughs> there's, been, there's been lots of change. I mean, and they've all been positive changes. And, and also, it's really great to see how the, the, the organization is changing and... Um, changing with what's happening outside, if that makes sense. Um, it's yeah, yeah. changing with the world as it's changing. And 
So yeah, no, there's been some loads of changes, loads of great initiatives. You know, I've had the opportunity of serving on the London branch as well during that period. So, so yeah, it's um, yeah, I'm in and I'm I'm not going anywhere. Good, 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 good. Well, you're uh, you're very very welcome. And Katrina, same to you. Why did you say I'm in to the IOH? Um, well, as being, I suppose I'm a bit of a newbie, really, but I've only been a, a member of the Institute for like seven to eight, not eight years, but I do sit as secretary um, for the Northern Ireland Bank, so I'm in a very privileged position to be able to work closely with the um, the other regions and, and several meetings, but I, I, I said I'm in because I really want to be, and I wanted to be involved in an organisation that was making a difference to the industry, that was there to support people in the industry and in, in a way to attract and retain people into the industry. I suppose that the, the hospitality industry for many years hasn't always received great press because of the perception yep. and sometimes they have long hours and low pay. So I wanted to be in an industry or part of an organisation that promoted professionalism within the industry and, and as I said, helped to attract and retain people within it. Yeah, like that. And I suppose that also plays into what you said earlier on around you know, what, now you're in a role that allows you to give back. It sounds like you ha- kind of have that same mentality towards being a, a member of the IOH. Yeah, absolutely. And as I said, I think at the very, very beginning, the, the 36 odd years I have in the industry, and the industry has been really good to me. It's afforded me a lot of amazing opportunities and places for people to meet. And this role... Um, certainly with the springboard chart, it allows me to, to give back, and whether that's through the Institute of Hospitality or through my own daily work. But yeah, it's um, it, it's good to say that I'm in. Fantastic. Wonderful. And then uh, finally to you, Jude, uh, why did you say I'm in to the IOH? Um, I think considering the fact that I, like, I'm really fresh to the industry, um, I've seen how hard hospitality can be in terms of like the long hours and, you know, like, of course, it's really hard to be 100% in for guests all the time when you might not be feeling 100% yourself. And I think the strongest support system that I've found that, like, that I have is the community. So I actually joined the Institute of Hospitality to be able to find that community elsewhere as well because I didn't want it to just be in where I'm working. I want it to be, I mean, across the world and with different people. So I think in terms of that, like the strong support system that comes with the connections and the mentorship and everything through the Institute of Hospitality is the reason I wanted to join. Yeah, I love that as well. And you know what? actually, one of the things that I've just kind of really noticed is the fact that we've got somebody from the food service sector, somebody from the charity sector and somebody from hotels on today's panel. And that to me is the joy of this industry. And it's one of the, the reasons why I said I'm in uh, one of the many reasons I said I'm in, however many years ago it was, is because, you know, actually we can all share information from our own individual sectors, which can help each other's sector become better. And I, so I love that that kind of that community idea. I just think it's it's ultimately how we will win as an industry. There we are. There's rant number one. <laughs> only took 10 minutes there we are but uh no I, I i i'm a big believer in community i think it is it's it is such a it can be such a driving force for for positive change um and i think we're we're very lucky at the ioh that we've got so many people who have that same mentality definitely brilliant well i think it's time to get stuck into today's subject which as i said at the head of the show is is all about the year ahead now 
this is one of those conversations that we could probably have a hundred times and come up with a hundred different conversations around what we we see. And another reason why I think it's really interesting that we've got people from kind of three different areas of the industry is that my hope is is that you all have some similar views, but some different views in terms of your own individual sectors as well. So I'm just going to ask a very, very open question to start with, and I'm going to come back to you, Neil. How do you see 2023 playing out, generally speaking, for hospitality? I Personally, I feel it's going to be a really tough year. Okay, tough. bye. Next. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. So I, I think it's going to be a tough year. I think it's going to be a cautiously tough year. I think there's, there are a lot of challenges happening, not only for hospitality, but also challenges for the people working within hospitality. Um, and, and by that, I mean the cost of living crisis, you know, and, and that has a that has a, an effect on people as well from a personal point of view, and they're coming into work. So I, I think it's going to be a cautiously tough year. And, and there are so many challenges in our sector as well. You know, we've got prices have been going up, you know, our overheads, electricity, gas. There, there are loads of challenges, but I, I think it's going to be a cautious year. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that, that caution is the is the word. I think that we've got to be very, very careful. I suppose there's two things in play here, probably. One is to get too negative about all of the external pressures. A lot of the that you can kind of end up believing the press and kind of, uh, I suppose, bringing that into your psyche as part of your that, that you know, that's a major risk. Flip side of that is, is that you don't want to be naively positive as well you know and so i think the the word is caution you know i think you you've you've probably in my view you've probably nailed that i i think there's you know yes there look, there is a lot of negativity out there in the press and you know even even jumping onto like twitter this morning and the amount of negativity on there about what's happening outside but actually is there any positivity on twitter <laughs> we won't we, we won't even go there this morning phil we won't yeah. go there but um but i i don't see everything as being you know it's, it's what you make of it as well isn't it it's, it's how you react to it and how how you deal with those situations you know and and we we know that there are all these negative forces happening in our industry from outside but it's actually how we manage that with our own businesses and how we how we um, communicate that out to our teams as well that has the the impact, you know, the positive impact on what we're doing. Absolutely. Katrina, what, what are your thoughts on the, on the year ahead? Yeah, well, I think like, like, like me, um, I'm currently 2023 is going to be a very challenging year and, and I suppose everybody knows as a result of the um, impact that the that COVID had on the industry, but I, I do honestly think that the the industry will recover. There's a global united front there to ensure that that that, that happens. I know that that the sector is expected to continue struggling after facing the barrage of challenges in 2022. But you know, there's been soaring energy bills, there's been staff shortages, there's been rising inflation, um, and some businesses fortunately being forced to consider. We've just seen their opening hours to kind of run the storm, but the hospitality and tourism industry, it's too important to everybody's economy not to make not to make recovery and not to make that happen. And I suppose 2023 um, will be seen almost as a building block to start rebuilding the industry back to what it's like pre-COVID and hopefully even better. And I know that certainly locally, uh, and it's probably the same across the UK, there's a lot of support from industry bodies 
to help the industry get the assistance and the guidance that it needs. And, and lobbying the government to set up for that support has, has really never been more inviting than in the um, year ahead. So. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think this it's been one of the, the great byproducts of the challenging period that was the COVID period, whereby I just think, well, I mean, we talked about it earlier on, the community spirit among, in the industry as a whole now is, has never been better. You know, we're all sharing our issues. We're all you know sharing our solutions to the issues. And yes, of course, regrettably, there are going to be people who just can't make the numbers work, you know, in terms of businesses. I've seen it in the last couple of weeks, you know, a couple of high profile restaurant closures in in london but on the flip side there are companies out there who are expanding you know they're they've got it down and they've got they've got their model nailed and they are you know looking to expand even through this time and so i i suppose it the key thing is balance right i mean you know as i said you can't can't get too carried away but you can't get too caught up in the negativity as well and i appreciate that's really difficult to get out of if you're living with what probably feels like a constant daily challenge. Yeah, yeah. I know that's certainly, um, as you said, that the larger organisations who have a higher level of income are able to reinvest more efficiently than, than the smaller businesses. And as I said, we feel it's the smaller businesses that are probably going to feel the biggest impact. Mm. But we just don't have that investment fund available to do with the larger businesses are going to do. However, you know, the industry, everybody that works in the industry loves the industry. And, and I'm seeing a lot more collaborative work between organisations, you know, helping and support and guiding each other because everybody wants to make, everybody wants to make the, the, the industry much, much better than it was. Absolutely. If that's possible. <laughs> but the, well, I mean, the other thing is, is of course, is that this is going to be so, uh, I suppose, location-led as well, you know. So on the one hand, you know, I suppose it remains to be seen whether rural locations are going to be okay because there's a lot more people working from home now. So, you know, the local local marketplaces are on the up as opposed to city centres. But then, you know, I was in my my wife and my own birthday in the last couple of weeks, and we've been in London experiencing a, a few different things. On my wife's birthday, we went to afternoon tea at Mandarin Oriental. It was absolutely packed. We went for cocktails at Mr. Fogg's. It was absolutely packed. And then we went to the theatre on, the, and this is the second week in January, and there was not a seat in the house. So, you know, there's clearly activity out there. I just don't know yet whether we're, we haven't experienced the lag that comes with, you know, the, the bite of the cost of living crisis um, on all of these things and whether we've yet to see that fully take hold. I, I think you're probably right there, uh, Phil, because, you know, the, the few times I've been out in London as well the last few weeks um, and speaking to the operators in hospitality, you know, for the restaurants and, and bars and so forth, they've all, they've all said it's not usually this busy, usually for the first couple of weeks in January. And they've been, you know, the bars and the restaurants and everywhere have been, been really busy and full and, you know, we went out last night as well and the, the restaurant was fully packed, you know, and um, and it's just really nice to see, you know, people out and about. But I think that, you know, it could be a, it could be a, a laggard kind of a, a reaction to what's happening outside. Yeah, I, yeah I, but this is where the caution comes in. It's just just being cautious, you know, how we approach the year ahead. But Katrina mentioned something as well about independent hospitality operators and and we've we've also seen larger operators as well having to close 
premises down and so forth due to what's happening outside. And um, I, I think it's really important as well that, and this is what I love about the IOH, is that, look, we're all here together. We're all here to support each other. So if you, if there are any independents listening to this, you know, you're not alone. So please do reach out. And there's so many stakeholders and so many people that are here to support. So I think that was something really important Katrina mentioned previously as well. Yeah. I, I, nice pullback to the IOH there as well, by the way. You're a proper company boy. I like that. <laughs> I'm conscious I missed you out there, Jude. Uh, what, what's your view on the, the year ahead for, for 2023? I mean, I think we all, I mean, we definitely have to be mindful of the cost of living crisis and everything. But as you said, I mean, even when I go out in London or even as just I'm going to work, you can see how many people are actually still going out. Every single place is completely full. I don't think people are necessarily going to stop indulging in restaurants or bars or things that make them happy. I think it's on our end from the hospitality side or from the provider side. We need to just be mindful of the fact that it means more now that a dinner at a restaurant, for example, doesn't just mean a random Tuesday night out, but it might just be a bit, I mean, deeper for the consumer or for the customer because of the cost of living crisis. And like we should work on making it a bit more special in a sense. So just to be a bit more mindful of like be, be a bit more aware of what's going on and being able to give that guest experience to make it worth it for them because i don't think it will stop especially in a city like london and i've seen that happen i mean elsewhere in the world and everything people just regardless of what people won't stop doing the things that make them happy maybe not to yeah. the same extent but i mean i'm i'm from like i'm originally lebanese so i lived in lebanon and obviously that's one of the countries that's hit with the worst inflation rates in history right now and you can still see like when you when when i go back everything is still full everyone's still doing things really right. it is and it's it's i mean it's it's crazy that people don't expect it but i i was just there for over the winter and people are still going out every single place is still full so people are still enjoying it but it's just a matter of it, it has to be a bit more mindful in the sense yeah. So we come it. back to the, the word caution, right? We, exactly. we, we're, you know, I, I actually use in my own business because I, 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 I'm a, a, for those who don't know, I'm a recruiter. So I speak to a lot of different people in a lot of different sectors across the industry. And the, the, the words I am using at the moment are cautiously optimistic because I speak to a lot of businesses who are actually still doing quite well. And, uh, you know, obviously, as a recruiter, I need a buoyant industry in order to be buoyant myself. So I am not getting carried away with what I'm hearing. Uh, I will take the positivity when I can find it for sure. But I'm wondering on the back of what we've just been discussing, and obviously, we've, we've probably been a little bit London centric here, but it's interesting to hear your viewpoint on what it's like in Lebanon uh, as well, which, as you say, has got uh, much much worse inflationary issues than we have in the UK. But are we, are we experiencing a, a kind of a positive COVID lag? Has COVID been a little bit of a blessing? Because, you know, for two years of our lives, we were basically asked to stop enjoying ourselves uh, out and about. And so now are people just like, well, do you know what? what? We've done that for two years. I've already refurbished my house and, you know, bought a hot tub or whatever it is people are buying. 
I've got nothing else to spend money on except actually going out and being around the people that I enjoy the company of. Exactly. I think maybe we, I mean, remembered what what's important in terms of like human experience. I think COVID definitely could have been a blessing in disguise for us right now, just because like people remember, like it, you can have all the money, you can have the hot tub, you can have the car, you can have everything. But once we spent two years just being alone, I think people just missed being around each other. People missed the shared human experience. And I, it's showing up now and not to say like, for example, in Lebanon, not to say that it's in the best situation in the world or anything, but over winter and summer, for example, when everyone's coming back, it's just been completely packed and you can't get into anywhere, for example. And it's really like the, the country is really hard hit. But at, at this moment, as we speak, there's been like studies done and tourism in Lebanon, regardless of the entire economic crisis, has gone back to the levels before anything even happened. So back to 2019 levels, right. which is completely unprecedented, for example. Yeah, and, and maybe not forecasted exactly. you know, uh, as well. So, And I suppose that's the thing is that, and this is something I've learned over, over my years in business is that there's lots and lots of forecasters out there, but ultimately we never really know, right? I mean, you do the best with what you've got information wise but it's very difficult to forecast how good or bad things are going to be so you've got to as neil said right at the beginning you've kind of got to take just control of your own reaction to stuff and that can actually help affect how you you move forward as a as an individual and a business i i think um i I'm, i wish i wish we had a zoom on at the moment because i when jude was speaking i was just smiling all the way through that and nodding my head <laughs> I, th- I think Jude's kind of hit it on the head with regards to people going out and doing what that makes them happy, you know. And and actually, when when Jude was saying that, I was thinking actually that could be the reason why, you know, when I'm when I'm speaking to restaurants and bars, and who are saying actually we're not usually this busy the first week of January, and it's really busy. And I think Jude's right. People are doing what makes them happy, and we've been so enclosed over over COVID for the last couple of years, that people have realized what makes them happy and what what they value in life. And 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 meeting people is a huge value point for everyone because we've we've all been kind of enclosed in our own capsules, you know, during that COVID yeah. period. So that's maybe what we're seeing at the moment. Which is a positive. Yeah, totally. And and I think critically, we're now midwinter, right? And we've not really had that many headlines around COVID uh, as well. So hopefully touch wood, I'm touching all the wood that I can get my hands on right now, that, you know, that doesn't become a thing anymore. Because that's also something that I think has spooked people in the past, you know, as soon as people started reporting on case rises and stuff like that. It had an effect. It had a, a, an effect on people get, getting a touch paranoid about those things. So we've not had that this year. So you know now we're just having to deal with all of the other things that are that are in the world as well. But you know I think we we move forward with um, as I say some cautious optimism. Katrina, what's the 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 view in in Northern Ireland in terms of busyness, general industry busyness? How are things out there? We have. Things are actually um, really good, thank, thank goodness, but there is a, an obvious decrease, as, and it's probably the case everywhere, of people eating out and dining out at the start of the week. It used to be the case that, and even personally for myself, I wouldn't have thought twice about the night on a Monday night or a Wednesday night for the dinner, but now I am reserving that and I'm keeping that for a, a real treat and a meal experience again. So 
I think the industry, certainly this part of the, the site, the pod, so to speak, is seeing a decrease in the people going out at the start of the weeks. I have a, a couple of close friends who work, who work directly in operations, and, and they would say that most of their hours are being centered over the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I do think that COVID, however, has allowed people to really appreciate what the industry offers and that whenever they go out, they're so appreciative that the fact that they can go out, appreciative of the fact that there's great you know, customer service, people serving our food and, and cooking our food. So uh, there's certainly a, an increase of appreciation as to what the meal experience is, is all about. But yeah, I think... I think the, the, the early part of the week is um is going to be challenging for some businesses to be able to sustain keeping those um, businesses open. Yeah, I totally and I think as I as I mentioned earlier on, but there's a lot more businesses now that are just from an office if they run an office and especially this is prevalent in city centres. You used to see, you know, Thursday, Friday where people were just in the pub. I don't think they did any work. That was basically what it looked like sometimes. But, you know, and so we, we might have lost Friday in that from a city centre perspective, but it just means that that has just moved out. It's moved out to wherever the, the local communities that these people are working from home are in. And I've seen that locally where I, I live, live in the Bishop Stortford area in Hertfordshire. And, you know, our restaurant scene is is booming, you know, and I had a conversation with a, an independent restaurateur who said, you know, he's he's got three sites already locally and he's opening, uh, he's just opened another one three months ago and he's got another one coming this later this year. And so I, I was like, what? Please come and join the IOH and do this, do a talk around, you know, what running a successful independent business looks like because it just, you know, the business is still out there. It's just a question of where it is and how you capture it, I suppose. I think as well, Phil, that they... Um with the amount of people now working from home or working hybrid has had not just an impact on the local campus and bars and restaurants where you're looking out for your lunch, you know, during your, yeah. your one hour office break. But I also think it's had a real significant impact on, on the retail, on the hospitality retail side of things, you know, where people were no longer going out and buying their sandwich at lunchtime and or bring it back to the desk. They're not going out to the pubs and the restaurants at lunchtime for a, for a quick bite. So there's been the, the city centres and um, the towns that and for, for the businesses have seen a huge impact. Certainly, in the terms of, of where I live and um, and Belfast, certainly there has been a significant number of small local cafes and small local spa or, or commercial outlets have closed because that demand is just not there. Deli yeah. bars and places like that. So yeah, but we talk about the impact on. On the industry, but I think there's um, something people forget that it's yes, to see pubs and pubs, there's also the shops and there's also the, the pepper sessions that serve the food. So that's all, it's all part of the same industry, it's all part of the manufacturing, food service, and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on the back of that, it feels like the, the other thing that we need is a, is a kind of evolutionary approach to business because. You know, I think you could argue that you need this anyway. It doesn't really matter what's going on out in the world. But as, if you're not evolving to the, the stresses and strains of the, the world around you, then the inevitability is, is that you're going to get lost in that process. And so you, you can't really move into a period whereby, you know, OK, I think I read this morning, uh, I read something around in Scotland that they're, you know, there's 
businesses are really feeling the pinch because business rates, they're not getting any relief on that. Of course, the government announced last week in the UK as well that uh, after, I think, the end of March, the uh, support on energy will not be there anymore. One, thanks very much for not giving us very much time to figure out how we deal with that. But two, if the model doesn't work, then we need to evolve the model, basically. that's you know It's pretty hard to probably, I suppose, easy for me to say that as well as somebody who sits on the outside. But if you're not doing that, then the only option is failure. You know, you, you've got to continue your evolutionary process to the to the stresses and strains of what's going on outside. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, the other thing I wanted to kind of cover with, with this as well is that in times when there's a, a you know, a, I suppose, economic pressure coming into to the marketplace, historically, what's always worked Generally, the people who do things really exceptionally well are safe. And generally, those who are at the, the budget end, but they still critically need to be doing stuff well, are safe. It's the, the bit in the middle that's the unknown. And from and I'm going to come to you, Jude, here, because actually you operate in, in the luxury space. And that you actually touched upon it earlier on around how there's the, there has to be this kind of move to ensuring that the guest experience is as good as it can be. Do you think that, that that's enough? Making sure you've got the, the great guest experience in play, do you think that's enough to ensure survival in a, in a time of, of toughness? Definitely. And I'm speaking solely from the rooms division side because I don't have experience in the food and beverage side. But I can sure. see... I can see like in the restaurants and in the afternoon tea and everything, how the prices have been rising, for example, dramatically, just because of like the rise in ingredients and everything. And it really, I mean, I've only been at the Ritz for a year and I've seen like really steep increases in the menu prices, for example. From the rooms division side though, I mean, I feel like say the the rooms start at, or during the summertime or during the busy times, it was starting at a thousand pounds per night. And My word. if you like... <laughs> It, it, but if and people can like I've I've had so many guests that have saved up for all their lives or for the past couple of years or everything just to be able to have that one night with us at the Ritz for example yeah and this is something that like on my end I found that acknowledging that and letting them I mean making them feel great and showing them around the hotel and you know like really stressing on the fact that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and making sure everyone from the concierge to the page boys to, I mean, this is really traditional as well, but making sure that everyone knows that. And for example, if they have the restaurant reservation for them to know that and for everyone to treat them well, gives them that one night of like, okay, this was worth it. Or because they know the Ritz and for example, like I'm just speaking really from the the point of view of the Ritz, but there's the TV show. Sure. So people genuinely like know what it is and they know what to expect. And we just try to take it like one step further and everyone puts on this, like not even show, I can't even say show because it's actually the way everyone is, but just making sure that they know how welcome they are and that this one night is about to be the best night of their lives, for example. I was just because effectively what you're you're talking about is over-delivering. Exactly. Over delivering against people's expectation, as far as I can I can tell. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, and surpassing the expectation that they've set for themselves. And in terms of the luxury industry, like of course, we expected it to not be as busy as well, but in the past month as well, it's been super, super busy. Yesterday was one of the really like yesterday was even was a really, really busy day. And it just keeps on getting busier even when we don't expect it. So it's the same type of thing, but it's just a matter of we need to make it more special for them. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you're creating these moments, these special moments, then people remember that for a long time, don't they? Exactly. And that's the whole point. I mean, for me, that's the whole point of hospitality. And I've been asked about this and it's like, why did you even choose hospitality in the first place? And it's just because I would like to make sure that people are having a great time. I would like to be a part of people's special memories or people's special occasions. And that's exactly what we've been doing because people don't come to the Ritz for just a Tuesday night. They come for birthdays or they come for 30th anniversaries or 50th anniversaries or they come as a gift from someone else. So it's just a matter of like making sure that they chose well, regardless of the horrible price. But <laughs> but it's just a matter of they they chose well and that we're going to over deliver on the expectations that they might already have of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you could argue that that's just a great ethos in your business at whatever level you operate at. Right. I mean, regardless of whether you're offering a, an ultra luxury product, if you're offering a, an entry level budget product, just ensure that you're doing the basics as well as you can and exceed the the expectation to whoever's coming in to experience your your business exactly yeah and actually that kind of then reminds me of the the crash of 2008-9 and the and basically the rise of of a brand that was broken basically which was uh, which was premier in i think it was premier travel in before and they just went back to basics what do people want when they come to stay with us if they're not parting with huge sums of money? They want a great bed. And so they pumped all of their money in just to you know, ensuring that the experience for people when they came to stay with, with them was is that they were going to get a bloody good night's sleep. And actually, that's the fundamental number one, isn't it? If you're staying anywhere, is that you want to have a, a decent night's sleep. And look at how successful that brand's been now. And that's the, I suppose, picking up the, the pieces of the the budget end of the market you know, um, in terms of yeah yeah go the, no that's really interesting because as well sorry i'm going to refer back to lebanon because that's just the extreme case of what this could be but um yeah. in, in lebanon i mean it used to be really really famous for like luxury hotels and everything and since the economic crisis happened the only thing that's risen in the hospitality industry is to be able to have a hotel or like a hotel room that will give you water and electricity and 24 7 wi-fi because that's yeah. become that's become virtually like impossible in Lebanon at the moment. And so the luxury hotel industry has completely, I mean, completely crashed for a while. Now it's, it's slowly getting back up. But for the past three years, that's all it's been. It's been people getting Airbnbs or hotel rooms or anything just to be able to have their literally running water and just heating in the winter because that's not happening. Yeah, no, I um, I I completely hear you, and I think it is. It's that that's again, that's also an evolutionary part of the marketplace, right? Historically, as you say, Lebanon's been very luxury orientated from a hospitality perspective. But the, if the marketplace is not there, then the marketplace needs to evolve to exactly. what is needed. Uh, and it sounds like that's what it's doing. And yeah, well played uh, to to them for sure. I'm gonna this. I'm just gonna ask a very very open question, which anybody can jump in on this. I just want to know if you if you've seen any trends out there that will actually are, are quite a risk to the industry or a great opportunity for for the industry. And anybody can jump in if they've if they've seen anything. I I, I certainly feel from from our perspective, from the Spring Force perspective, I see that a threat in the attraction of people into the industry. I think COVID has scared people off. They've they've been fearful that oh my God, what if this happened again? But it's also because of the number of people who have left the industry and 
has been significant numbers have been leaving it as a result of reflecting on their own personal circumstances, having a look at their, you know, do I want to work nights, do I want to work weekends? And I just think that there's a huge threat in the number of people that we're attracting into the into the industry. Which is why from Springboard's perspective, never work a night when we're trying to attract people um to come onto our training courses. That we say to them that there are so many opportunities, like hundreds of jobs within different sectors of the industry. It's not all about, you know, working in the kitchen or working for the house. It's not all about working nights and working weekends. There are yeah. nine to five jobs. So I think there's a threat of not not enough people shouting about the different opportunities that there are, that there's just this perception. The threat would be the perception that it's all about long hours and okay. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think uh, we are we're finally coming around to that again. We just we need to be shouting a lot louder uh, uh, about it. And it needs kind of every one of us. Right. I mean, every one of us who works in the industry knows the, the joys that you can have. Of course, there are challenges. Of course, there are moments where you think, you know, why did I pick this? as a career but that's the same in every single sector mm-hmm. you know it's that's not restricted to uh, to hospitality so and actually i, I know that uh, i've spoken to chris before at, at springboard around you, you know the the targets that you guys set yourselves in terms of trying to you know, get i can't remember what the number is off the top of my head in yeah, terms of 10, getting... 10, 000, 10 000 people into work by the yeah. end of 2022 which we did do which we did do thank you it was an amazing number to brilliant there you know, and so then you see that the the power of the message mm-hmm. is the important thing is that it, it can be done it absolutely can be done but we've got to we've absolutely as an industry has just got to take control of the message and we all need to work together you know, they, i think i said as well that we that i've seen a definite increase in the number of organizations and industry bodies coming to work together because at the end of the day everybody has a collective message and it's to get people into work irrespective of what sector they're coming to the industry all about you know attract people to the industry get them in get them trained you know mentor support them give them opportunities let them develop um, and, and you know let them you know career career development and you know with the different opportunities within the organization that they work in so yeah, there, there's a there's a definite desire there amongst you know different industries to work together and certainly from the from the perspective there from I think it was time at the beginning that we did our in our Northern Ireland Future Chef final on Friday and at that final and um, with lots of guests we had the permanent secretary of the Department of Education and Dr. Mark Brown with different industry partners and um, chefs and um, hotel managers, business partners. We all came together and all networked together, helped each other and, and that's what it's all about. You know, Come yeah. together, work together. Let's see what we can do as a nation. Yeah, but also, I mean, our industry. I mean, the the hospitality industry is, is such a diverse industry as well. And and I I totally agree with you, uh, Katrina and Phil about you know we need to be shouting out a bit more about all the different roles that there are within our industry. And it's it's immense. It's immense. And you know our umbrella stretches even over public sector. You know, and and it's sometimes I know when I speak, I I generally you know speak to people within our industry, um, but even people who are studying to come into hospitality, and and this is perception that you know it's hotels, restaurants, bars, that's hospitality. But actually, you know, you've got all your tourism space, public sector. It, we're a, we're a, we're a huge industry, and and the more we shout about it. 
the more we're, we're going to get people interested to come and join us, you know, and, and that's all of our responsibility, not just to give in a few. Yeah, absolutely. And that's certainly that whenever we're out and we're talking to the young people, we don't just talk about hospitality, we talk about hospitality, leisure, tourism, on the city, you can be a tour guide, you could work in sales and marketing, you could work in a crunch, you could be a chef, you could be a barista, <laughs> like, and, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. The artists, yeah, it's totally amazing, 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 definitely yeah, and, and I, I kind of get the, the fear factor as well from COVID as well, uh, Katrina, and, and how, how people are a bit, you know, scared about how, you know, what if we get COVID again? And I, I think actually COVID has been, COVID has been a really negative, had a really negative impact on us from businesses as individuals, you know, in our home lives and everywhere. But at the same time, we've had so much opportunity of learning from that unprecedented experience. And, you know, we've, we've seen people looking outside the box as well. So, you know, looking at their business, core business structure and actually looking outside of how they can still operate their businesses, if that makes sense. And I, I think there's opportunity as well for, you know, businesses to have a contingency now in place as part of their business. You know, if, if we did ever get back into that situation again and again i'm touching wood everywhere in my office <laughs> that we don't but yeah you know we, we need to see it as an opportunity as well to do things differently in the future absolutely i, I think the uh, there's no no question that it was a tough tough old time no question but um you know at, at the same time as you say that the the opportunities for learning for us all to kind of understand a little bit more about ourselves as individuals as well, I think, you know, it, it, the, the industry's been busy. It's been run off its feet for years and years and years. Um, and that's because it's been successful. And actually, you know, as COVID has highlighted, you know, the, the need for hospitality businesses in whatever community form that, that takes is it's essential to everybody's well-being, not just the people who work in the industry, but, you know, people who, who just want to go for a pint and, and chew the fat with some mates or, or whatever it might look like. So, yeah, I, I read a uh, trend this morning, actually, that, um, that young people now are turning their back on alcohol big time. Like they're, they're teetotaling, basically. So there, there's basically two ways to look at something like that. And the person who was writing this was viewing this as a threat to pubs. But what an opportunity for the low and no mm -hmm. space, you know, in, in, the, in alcohol or non-alcohol terms. That to me is a is a massive trend for the future uh, ahead. That um, that people are going to gradually turn their back on alcohol. Final thing before we uh, we go, Jude. I just wanted to come to you to see if if you had uh, seen or have any ideas on any trends that you've seen for for the year ahead. I mean, this might sound a bit Gen Z, but people who know me know I can talk about this for hours, and it's just basically like I'm already excited. <laughs> But about like technology and honestly, TikTok. So I think TikTok has completely taken the world by storm and a lot of people may not realize it. And something I've seen, especially in the hospitality industry, is when one TikTok, for example, goes viral about a certain random hotel in the UK or a random Airbnb, that Airbnb or hotel or whatever will be booked for years in advance. And I actually saw it with one specific one. I forgot where it, where it was, but it was on the coast somewhere in like the north of the UK. 
and that Airbnb to this day is still booked until 2028 and it's still being booked wow. and in terms of that like I think with social media and everything there's like a lot of hyper connectivity and a lot of independent establishments around the world and just literally independent properties even something as small as one Airbnb have such a high level of exposure to the world now with social media and it's it's just it's changing everything because people are now going to places that they have never heard of before. And like before you were saying about local industries being, I mean, they're booming at the moment because possibly people are working remotely. I also think social media and the age of TikTok really has a big contribution to it because of the high levels of exposure. So one person will post, and it doesn't even have to be anyone famous. I mean, the algorithm of TikTok and of social media just puts out a certain video or a certain post to anyone who may even remotely be interested to it. And this is a tool that I think so many companies need to learn how to harness because it's changing the world completely. And there's places around the world that have been completely redefined and have become completely famous just because of it. Because one person will put out a video that will get 500,000 likes, which means around 40 million views. And people start booking and people don't hesitate in that sense and it's this is for the younger people like this is for the gen z and people even younger than me but it's actually happening and it's just completely wild <laughs> jude yeah uh, i tell you what jude you're you're you and i are from the same page it feels like i mean i'm i'm definitely not from the gen z <laughs> but um social media is so important isn't it in our industry and you know there are there are so many businesses that still have not harnessed it or use it in any capacity and it's it's a free marketing tool and it's a free way of getting the positive messages out about your business and your values and and our industry as well and yeah i i i'm i'm totally feel i'm totally with jude you know i think from a trend point of view as an opportunity if a business hasn't got onto social media you know please do it's it's such a positive way of getting key messages across and promoting what you're doing as a business i've jude i've got to admit i'm i'm still learning the world of tiktok but i do you have an account I, I think that's my generation thing um <laughs> <laughs> um i i have actually now got a tiktok account phil but um it's uh it's it's work in progress. Yeah. It's working progress. I look forward to your uh, your dance routines <laughs> later. Then. It's it's really funny, and it's actually my um my my nieces who have kind of got me into that world, the TikTok world. But it's so important, Phil. It's so important for businesses, and and it's a great marketing tool. I know the IH do a lot on on social media. Phil, you do a lot as well. And I've seen some yeah, great... I, I have a TikTok account. I've not done anything on TikTok, but after uh, what Jude just said about TikTok, guess where <laughs> I'm going next? Good for you. Good for you. But it's, yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting because there's one, like I'll just give you one example of something that actually went really successful. There's one restaurant in Australia and it was called Karen's Diner. And you know, like the, the definition of a, of a Karen, how they say like the, I don't know, you, have you heard of it when they call someone a carrot? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But it's somebody who's a bit of a job's worth, yeah, basically. And so they've done that. So they called it Karen's Diner, and you're literally paying for bad service. So the waiters give you wrong orders. They're rude to you. They like yell at you, 
And it's one of the most popular restaurants in the world right now just because of TikTok. And people have actually been flying to Australia just to go to this restaurant. <laughs> and it's, mad, wow. it's, it's a game of luck, honestly. It's, it's completely a game of luck. I don't know how anyone would be able to figure out this algorithm because it's smarter than anything, but it is such a powerful tool. And I think in 2022, it started emerging, but for 2023, it's going to completely change the entire hospitality industry. You heard it here first, people. Here we are. That's, um, yeah, we are groundbreaking and pioneering how you should do your marketing strategy into 2023. But uh, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I jest, but I, I, I hear what you say completely. I, I, it's such a, it really kind of still in its infancy as well, right? I mean, it's still two, three, four years old, something like that. Maybe even longer. I don't know. Maybe that's just as long as I've heard it. But yeah, so I, well, before I kind of wrap things up, is there anything that anybody would like to add as a, as a kind of something that you had a real burning desire to say? I believe one of our questions was about what we were looking forward to in 2023, Phil. Yeah, okay. Let, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that as a, as a lovely, positive end to the show. What? Yeah, so off you go, Neil. What, what are you looking forward to in 2023? I was buzzing to say this, Phil. Go on. Eurovision. TikTok dance moves. Eurovision. <laughs> Eurovision coming to the UK. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. you know, when was the last time that happened? <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then there's the, the coronation as well. That that will probably bring some tourism, I would yes, imagine. Me, uh, yeah, it will do. Definitely will but, do. Um, yeah, what about you, Katrina? Do you know what? I'm going to be really boring and I'm going to say from a work perspective, I'm looking forward to getting out and working more with young people in education to try and really get that fire ignited into their bellies about joining the industry. That, that's what I'm really looking forward to. That's not boring at all. I love that <laughs> a lot. And Jude, final words to you. What are you looking forward to for the year ahead? Um, I think I'm just really looking forward to seeing like all the new hospitality trends that are coming out there's some that have been like social work for hospitality and things like that so i'm just waiting to see what's going to happen with that so hospitality for good i think that's a really nice new field that's emerging and excited to see what places will bring for that yeah hospitality for good i like that that's uh there's a hashtag for sure yeah <laughs> um well, thank you so much, guys. I think uh, loads of great points there. We, uh, uh, you know, to, to summarize, I think you know, just control your own controllables, do things well, overachieve on your promise, and I think get yourself on TikTok. I think uh, <laughs> those things will uh, will mean that you'll have a a good twenty twenty three. Thank you so much, guys. I wish you all the very best for the year ahead and beyond, and uh, really appreciate you giving up your time to to chat to us today. Thank you, thank, thank you, Phil. Lovely, Take care, lovely guys. to meet you all. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. I'm in. I'm in. Today, special covered a look I'm ahead in. to 2023 with Jude Haddad, AIH, Katrina Lennox, MIH, and I'm Neil Radia, FIH. As always, a big I'm shout in. out to the IOH's very own Sonia Cresswell, I'm MIH, in. for the artwork and branding, and Liam Williams, FIH, for the music. To say I'm in and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org and to find out more about the IOH or to join our hospitality family, please click the link in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and join us again next time where we'll be delving into the future of hospitality education.